Hey, I'm JR from the 18 Over Par with Mike and JR podcast, exploring the sights, stories, and sounds of golf on the prairies, where you'll find some of the most golf courses per capita of anywhere in the world, and beer. Lots of beer. 18 Over Par is proudly presented by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Pulling up to the clubhouse in a ride that looks half as good as your golf attire just isn't cutting it. It's time to improve your ride and your drive. You can purchase a new or used vehicle from Jamie Wilkie at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park and the former Manitoba Amateur Champ will take you for a round at Breezy Bend. So now pulling up to the clubhouse won't be so damn embarrassing and neither will your golf game. You can book your test drive today at winnipegdodge.com. Just ask for Jamie Wilkie. You can also check him out on episode two of the 18 Over Par podcast. He'll certainly be happy to see you. You can also find them on social media, so make sure you improve your ride and your drive, and the only place to do that, the new Winnipeg Dodge. They're different. You can check them out, winnipegdodge.com. It's the 18 Over Par Podcast with Mike and JR. You suck, you duckass. Welcome to 18 Over Par with Mike and JR, proudly driven by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. I'm JR, he's Mike. And today we're joined by Tyler Kearns, who formed Prairie Golf Design in 2019 after close to 20 years in the industry. He designs courses, redesigns existing courses and holes, and you can find him on Glendale's Monday Putter team. All right, glad that we could connect uh, with this gentleman here. Uh, Not only uh, does he have a Prairie Golf Design under his belt, he's also a pretty darn good golfer. And speaking of good golfers... Well, Jamie Wilkie, he's a former Manitoba amateur champ, and we want to give him another shout-out. Him and the folks at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park, you can check them out at winnipegdodge.com. As well, Tyler, just for jumping on the show with us, you're going to get yourself an 8-inch custom DQ cake from the Nick and Nicky group of DQs. You can check them out at DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park in the Food Court, DQ Niverville, and DQ St. Anne's Road. Follow them at DQ Manitoba on Instagram. So... You're a good golfer now. Were you always a good golfer? Um, you know, I started uh, playing. Um, my dad introduced me to the game when I was about six years old. Um, and, yeah, we started playing at Elmhurst. Um, and uh, kind of a case where we lived in Charleswood, so it was a long drive out mm, there. Yeah. Uh, my dad would play early mornings with his group of guys, and I couldn't play till probably one in the afternoon. So I would spend five, six hours a day on the weekends chipping, putting, hitting bunker shots on the range. So I practiced a lot. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I became proficient in the game fairly quickly um, and, and really took a, took a love to the game uh, from a pretty young age. So uh, I, I got, I think I, by the time I was about 11, um, my dad realized I had some talent. So um, I joined a Breezy Bend, uh, which was closer to home, so I was able to play um, a lot more golf. And that's when I think you know, the score started coming down, and then I started playing a fair bit of competitive golf um, from about 13, 14 on. 
did you did your dad uh, teach you the game or did you just kind of learn it yourself by you know the repetition whether it be the short game or just going out there and playing darn near every day you know uh my dad my dad was a very good player he was uh, a club champion at elmhurst in 1979 wow um but he was pretty adamant that I not watch his swing, not try to copy him. <laughs> um, so uh, I, he, um, Randy Brecky uh, was the uh, was one of the pros at Elmhurst, um, who I got some lessons from uh, as a junior. Um, and then again, uh, when I when I joined at Breezy Bend, uh, and actually I started working there when I was about fourteen. Um, Sandy Patterson, um, mm. as well the pro there, would. Uh, would often come along the range while people were hitting balls and, and give advice. And so he certainly helped me out a lot, uh, uh, as I was developing. And is that when you, you really, you mentioned it was around 14 that you jumped into the competitive play? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think well, was 14 was I, when I started, you know, I, I, the first time I shot par was when I was 14. Wow. And, um, <laughs> so I was, I, I had high expectations that year going into the Manitoba junior, um, played terribly. Um, but the next year when I was 15, um, you know, I, I was in second place after the first round of the Manitoba junior behind Rob McMillan. Um, <laughs> and it was a bit of a eye opening experience. Um, <laughs> so I, I faded over the next three rounds a little bit, but I, I finished in, I think I finished about 10. Um, and, and I actually got to go to the Canadian junior for the first of, uh, four trips there that year. Um, so that's and then really from 15 on, it was it was lots and lots of tournament golf. What was that experience like? Did you get to go with your dad to the Canadian Junior? Yeah, I uh, know. I, I that was a trip by myself. Uh, mm. Actually, at that time, the Monday Putter League would would send or would pay to send. Um, I can't remember exactly what the qualification was. It was I think the the top kid who was under 16 who didn't make the junior team and they sent them off to the Canadian junior and paid for their uh, expenses. That was, well, that was back in 94. Um, so it was, uh, so I got to travel there. I pretty sure I traveled with the junior team. Um, but it was the most eye open experience. Obviously playing in a tournament was incredible, but, um, you know, I, I missed the cut. It was a three round cut. And in the fourth round, the final round, I went out and watched, uh, Rob McMillan, and uh, and watching him play was it was uh, just unbelievable how how good and, and how far ahead he was than anybody certainly in our province. Um, it just it was spectacular. Did that get your competitive and, juices flowing to try and say match Rob, or you're kind of like he's on a whole different level? <laughs> well, I think uh, you know. I mean, he he certainly was on a, a whole different level, um, but it certainly for sure it it. Uh, certainly drove me to, to practice harder and, and get better at my game. And, um, the, the very next year when I was 16, I ended up making the junior team. Um, so it, it certainly, it did drive me, uh, that's for sure. And when did you end up at Glendale? Cause you're currently at Glendale, right? Did you stay at Breezy for a bit and then make the jump to Glendale? Yeah, I, I, I was at, uh, I think I made the move to Glendale when I was about 20, uh, about 24, I think. So I was at, I was at Breezy for about a dozen years. So um, yeah, and, and and moved over to, to Glendale um, um, just for a change, and then I've certainly enjoyed the experience there. I've been there now for 17 years. 
Well, I want to have you played Monday putter every single year. Uh, I I guess this year would be. I think it's my 27th year in the league. Wow. Um, wow. I had three years where I, I didn't play when I was working at, um, at Breezy Bend, but not uh, a member. So um, that was about 1921. I didn't play in the league. Before that, I played for the Manitoba Junior Team in the Putter League, and then for Breezy Bend, and then for Glendale. So. Well, that could have been interesting if you were working setting those pin locations on the uh, on Monday nights for Monday putter, uh, yeah. and, and and if you're playing at home there, uh, that could make it challenging for those visiting teams. Exactly, could cause some controversy. <laughs> <laughs> well, what were you doing when when you were working? Were you uh, were you just in the pro shop? Yeah, I started uh, like a lot of kids. I think I I think you had Derek Instance on who I play golf with now yeah. at Glendale similar story to when he got started at Assiniboine. I think I was on the first tee and I think maybe someone didn't show up for work that day. Then he said, <laughs> what are you doing after your round? And uh, I started shagging balls on the range uh, that night. So uh, I worked there for I think seven years. Uh, at, uh, so started in the back shop, cleaning clubs, picking balls on the range, and then uh, graduated to the pro shop for my last three or four years. Did you get any helpful pointers from Sandy or any of the pros there? Uh, yeah, Sandy was uh, very, very helpful. Um, not uh, not super like technical stuff, just um, just how to manage my game and just um, it was always for me. It was just always telling, reminding me to slow things down, slow my swing down. You know, when things get uh, under pressure, you tend to, to speed up and the swing gets fast, and it's. Uh, harder to to get your time in that way but uh yeah he was he was he was very helpful uh as my development over those years did you have any breakthroughs any championship wins uh no no um i had uh like i said i i ended up um i played for kind of six manitoba teams um over my junior career i made mm-hmm. uh two juvenile teams a junior team and then uh three manitoba minnesota matches teams kind of like a Ryder cup style oh, cool. uh, matches oh. the top eight kids from Manitoba play the top eight kids from Minnesota. That um, sounds pretty cool. Does that still go on today? I don't think so. And I don't know when that kind of got phased out. Um, hmm. I don't know when or why, but it was a really neat experience. Um, a playing some good courses down in Minnesota, but it was a, it was a really cool, uh, cool little tournament. Yeah. Did um, we ever, did Manitoba ever w- win in your experience? Uh it seems like um, I the know the guys have a little bit longer of a season probably and traveling all yeah, over the I U.S. Yeah, I think, um, I seem to recall that we did win it one of those three years. Um, we had some good players at the time, um, for sure. We, I mean, Adam Spears, who you had on recently. Yeah. Um, so we, we had a, we had a good squad, so, uh, we good. could compete with him. So you came up really in, and I won't say the heyday because there, it seems like every year we, we keep on turning out some pretty darn good golfers, but Adam Spears and Rob McMillan growing up alongside them. That's pretty special. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I played, uh, uh, I played a lot with, uh, I mean, Rob's final year was, was kind of my, his final year was kind of my first year when I kind of broke into the junior ranks. Um, but I obviously Adam's a year older than me. So I played a lot of golf with him and high school golf against him and, uh, played with him a lot. And, and again, uh, certainly would, uh, 
get you get me to inspire me to work on my game. He was a, a very very good player. What uh, uh, high school did you go to? I was at uh, Westwood. Oh, oh, yeah. all right. How about that? So you went to school across the river. Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Did you take a canoe there? I didn't, but I, I used to walk across the river because uh, I, I was living in Charleswood when I went to school there. Yeah, um, and so I would I'd walk across the river in, in the winter. Wow, really short the trip. Was it was it was it uphill both ways? Absolutely. Into the wind too. <laughs> yeah. We, we know some guys who went to Westwood. They're kind of questionable, but I'm sure back in your day, uh, it was a much, uh, 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 better school than it, than it was when we knew uh, guys there. Yeah. You must've crossed paths with Chris Jericho. Oh, yeah. Uh, Chris Jericho. Yeah. He was in a bit before my time. Oh, okay. Um, wow. but, uh, yes, uh, definitely a famous alum. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, Westwood definitely, uh, it's got, uh, a, a, pr- a pretty good, well, whatever program they're, they're so good at everything now, but, um, yeah. it's, uh, you know, it's good to know that you kind of stuck around in the area then now playing at uh, Glendale and typically uh, when you do play Monday putter, who do you play with? Do you, do you get a chance to play with uh, Derek instance at all in, in Monday putter? Uh, I haven't yet. Um, it's kind of bounced around. I think, uh, um, maybe they haven't found me the, the right partner. I've, I've had a, a number of different partners this year. So, um, it's, it's, it changes from week to week. So, and, uh, I'm not the captain of the team, so I'm not responsible for that. <laughs> it sounds like it's, it's a whole lot of fun. Like there is, it is competitive, but you still it, get to it, go out and have some fun. Absolutely. It, it, it definitely is competitive and it's a good, it's a good bonding with all the other guys from your club. Um, but it's certainly, uh, uh, I, I think, I mean, I'll see it kind of the, the original idea was to, to keep the competitive players, you know, active before they, the real tournament season started, um, in kind of the middle of the summer. So, um, and it certainly does that, um, you know, we're playing the best guys in the city. Um, and, and you get some really, really good golf. Did you, well, when is Glendale Club Championship? Glendale, uh, it's not till, I think, the middle of August. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, that should be all right. I mean, Glendale always pushes out some pretty good golfers, but when it comes to Monday putter, it seems like breezy. Uh, they always sneak out the top guys in the province and, and away they go. Yeah. Yeah. Breezy, uh, Niaqua, Elmhurst mm-hmm. are uh, pretty tough. That's what we, we uh, just squeezed into the playoffs. Uh, we just found out last night, and we, we play Elmhurst the first round uh, next Monday, so we're in for a uh, a tough battle for sure. <laughs> and I guess you play at Elmhurst then? Yes, we do. Oh, boy. So going on to yeah. someone else's turf. Well, good luck. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. We'll need some of that. You have some experience at Elmhurst, don't you? I do. I do. I, I love the golf course, um, but uh, it certainly uh, – Playing it every day would uh, would be more beneficial. <laughs> I guess so. Slight advantage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did, Not uh, to mention the, the talent level of some of the players on that team. Yeah, well, that also helps. Well, one time that this uh, show airs, the uh, amateur the amateur will have uh, wrapped up, and uh, we had the mid am, had the women's amateur, all those wrap up. It's uh, been a pretty competitive. A season so mm-hmm. far, so we'll have to wait and see what what happens at the, the amateur. Did you ever get the chance to play in the amateur or the mid ams? Uh, yep, yeah, yeah. I uh, I played in the amateur pretty much every year from the time I was fifteen till about twenty three, twenty four. Wow. Um, 
And then uh, I've played in it a few other times since then. Um, same with the mid amateur. Um, I've played in mid amateur about three or four times, but you know, it's, it's, it's tough, you know, with, with certainly I had my kids when I was 27. And uh, so it's kind of hard juggling that um, not playing as regularly as, as some of the, the guys are who are, you know, playing at the highest level. So you never quite know what game is going to show up and that can be a bit scary sometimes. Yeah. Well, tell me about it. I got a, a young one myself and kids screw up your golf game. That's for sure. But, uh, it's, they're still fun to have around and hopefully uh, pass the game on down to them. Uh, have your kids, have they picked up the game? Uh, yeah, my son has, uh, so my son's 12, uh, my daughter's 14. Uh, she's never, never taken to it. Mm. Um, but my son has started playing, uh, with some regularity. Um, certainly this year with COVID and when we had the solo golf right. or golfing with, within your household, mm-hmm. it was a, it was a great excuse to get out and play with my son, uh, quite a bit. Um, so that's, uh, I'm certainly hoping he, he takes to it, um, he plays a lot of different sports, but I, it's certainly uh, something I hope he sticks with because it's something you can play for life. Yeah, well, exactly. And does he help you out at all with the golf design? Yeah, uh, yes, for sure. Nice. Um, you know, <laughs> I think uh, when you, uh, you, you when you when you're designing holes and and things like that, you've got to make sure you're um, you're not designing just for the. the the top golfers, right? Um, and seeing how difficult it can be for younger players or, or, or older players, uh, people who only hit the ball 150 yards, you still have to get them around the golf course. Um, so you certainly see things that give them a lot of trouble and you kind of, you see, you know, that's something I don't want to repeat or something I could try and fix, right? So yeah. it definitely, definitely opened my eyes to how a wider segment of the golfing population play. Well, if you, yeah, need, well, if you need someone to test some holes, Mike and I would be happy to do it. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say, we, you should come out with us and you can, you can really, uh, it might blow your mind on some of the things that we're doing. So you will see a lot of the golf course. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I certainly appreciate you taking us into consideration when, uh, when you're designing these uh, holes and courses. Absolutely. How did you, uh, how'd you end up getting into it? Um, you know, again, I, I, you know, go back to my, my dad. Um, he was the greens chairman at Elmhurst. Um, so obviously had an interest in the golf course and its history and, and it's a Don Ross designed golf course. So, you know, I think, you know, he just had an interest in it. Um, and, and I passed it along to me. Um, and, and I don't think it really, um, was kind of an option for me until I was certainly a bit older. I think like a lot of golfers, you know, I doodled golf holes in my notepad at school and um, things like that. Um, But once I started playing uh, competitively and traveling um, again, you know, that year when I went to the Canadian junior, um, Rob McMillan had a connection at Glen Abbey. So he had us all out at Glen Abbey. Um, So, you know, a totally new golf course, something that's totally different from what I've experienced. And, and you just start realizing how, um, how individual all these different golf courses are. And they're all, it is one of the things that makes the sport great is the playing field is different, right? Um, it changes every, every course is different. So just so many possibilities and, and that really intrigued me and, and start opening my eyes again to, 
to what I liked and, and also what I didn't like uh, in golf courses. So you went from doodling those uh, those courses on your 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 notebook in elementary school, and then you decide to get a degree in landscape architecture. Is that uh, is that kind of how? Yeah, it yeah. Eventually, yeah. I think by the time I was kind of done into high school, I I started thinking that this was something I I would like to do, um, and yeah, I was fortunate um, when I was after I finished my first year of landscape architecture. Um, I was playing at Breezy Bend, and they were currently uh, doing some renovations to what are now holes 12, 13, and 14. Um, and David Grant, who did the work, um, was standing on 13 green while it was under construction. And I just said, you know what? I was playing the 12 hole. I said, I'm going to go introduce myself. And uh, I spoke to him for a few minutes, asked him if he had uh, any work for me at his office. Um, and, you know, they were quite, quite busy at the time. And, uh, I think I, I showed up at his office a few weeks later and, and started from there. Um, so it was, it was fairly informal, but uh, I worked for him for a couple of summers as I went through school and then full-time when I graduated. For Excellent. almost 20 years. Yes. I think uh, I started in about 2000 and 2001, 2002, something like that. And then uh, um, by, by 2019, I was ready to go on my own. What did you take from that experience into building Weatherby Holes greens now? From my experience uh, working with David? Yeah. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, I learned, um, uh, certainly learned the construction side of things, um, you know, how, how to get things built. And it, it was nice working at a small firm. Uh, when I was there, I was the, the third person there. Um, and then, uh, so, uh, you know, from a very, that very first summer, you know, I was out in the field doing survey work, uh, on our, I think it was the meadows, uh, when it was under construction, um, and, and, you know, talking with clients, ordering materials. So I got to experience a lot of the aspects of the business, um, very quickly. Um, so it was a very good experience, um, especially being at such a smaller firm. I wasn't, you know, just sitting in front of a desk doing, plans or something that it was just I was doing all aspects of of uh, the golf golf course business uh, right off the bat one of my questions is is like what is the process of course design obviously a course will you know find you guys and contract you and then you know at that point do you guys start looking at how to redesign a certain hole or or whether it's a new course I guess you guys are completely you know, you're looking at the, the landscape and, and designing a whole course, or how does that kind of kick off if you can Cole's notes that for us? Yeah. Um, I mean, if, if it's a, if it's a new course, um, you know, you're, you know, once you get hired, um, you know, you want to get a good topographic map of the, the, the property an aerial photograph, and you can start to, you know, start to get some ideas from, from, from that. Um, you can find some, you know, good green, green sites and stuff like that. Um, and then once it's, uh, you obviously got to flesh that all out in the field, um, get out there on site and, and start to see if what you're seeing on those drawings, uh, it translates. Um, and, uh, yeah, you go from there. I mean, it's, you're laying everything out. We do, um, all aspects of the work from surveying, um, 
and then uh, supervising all the construction. Um, But again, it's always a, you know, it's kind of a give and take with the client. The clients, sometimes they have certain ideas that they they want to incorporate. Sometimes they give you uh, uh, total free hand to do what what you like. Um, It it all varies by by clients. Um, When it comes to renovation work, again, you know, um, some clients have certain, you know, they'll come to you, hey, we've got a few issues that we'd like to resolve, come up with a few different options for them. Um, and again, some of them are, are, they want to incorporate their own ideas to some extent, um, and some don't, but uh, uh, it all kind of depends on the client. Well, that was kind of one of my big questions too, was the collaboration but between them, because you would obviously be the, the professional when it comes to design. But uh, th- there may be something with the owner where they're like, yeah, you know what? I kind of want to make a signature hole that's X amount of yards long. So it's kind of balancing yep. those things. You find that uh, happens quite a bit? Um, you know, it, it, some, it, sometimes, yeah. But I think it's some, and, and sometimes they're not always great ideas, right? <laughs> um, so I, I think you have to um, find something that they might be able to, if, if they are the type of client who are a bit more hands-on, you want to find something that maybe they can own and say, well, that, that's, that's me. I, I'm responsible for that. And you kind of can try to talk them into a, a, maybe a better idea than, and make it feel like it's their own. Um, you know, I, I've had a, a talking with a client about the potential for an island green. Mm. Well, uh, you know, uh, island green is kind of a, a cool idea if you're going with the buddies and going down to play TPC Sawgrass. Right. You know, with the once in a lifetime experience, you knock a few balls in the water, you probably don't care. But if you're a member of the course of an Island Green and you're dumping a couple balls in there every round, <laughs> you're going to get tired of that pretty quickly, right? So you, you kind of say, all right, well, there's got to be a better way than this. So you, you kind of talk them out of something, but they, they still feel like that kind of kernel was their idea. It might, it's not going to end up in Island Green, but it'll be something that maybe they feel like they've, they kind of own, you know? Yeah. Is there a key aspect when you design, whether it's a hole or a course, is there one thing that you really key in on, like the greens and where and where they're going to go or how they're going to run or how much undulation they're going to have? Or is that really just based on the topography of the land? Well, yeah, I think, I mean, that's that's the number one thing is, is the landscape you have to work with, right? I mean, if you've got a flat property, which, you know, there's a lot of here in Winnipeg, um, <laughs> You can you can really you're not you're not constrained, um, but if you're up you know where you know Elmhurst Pine Ridge where there's a bit more topography, mm-hmm. you want to find those features that you can incorporate into your design um, because it, it I mean a it, it looks more natural, it's cheaper to build right you don't have to push dirt around right um, and what Mother Nature's done in hundreds of years of uh, of erosion and all that. I mean, you can't copy that stuff very well. So, <laughs> um, so it really depends on the, on the type of property you have and you're trying to find features that you can kind of exploit to, to make the whole or the course, you know, better and, and, and feel like that's part of the property. What uh, are some current projects that you're working on this year or maybe finished up this year? I know you were, you're out of breezy, I think St. Uh, B as well. Yep. Yeah, Breezy was the, was the big one this year, uh, rebuilding the third and the sixth greens there. Um, and again, there was an example of, 
you know, I, I built the fifth green for them the previous year, but we built it on top of the old green. You know, they had a temporary green for a good chunk of the year, which isn't desirable. Um, so this year they wanted to, you know, redo the greens, but put them in new locations so that they had 18 greens in play for the, for the entire season. Um, so that's where, okay, well, there's a, a, a constraint put on me and, and how do we make this work? So, um, you know, we, we found uh, two, two new locations for those greens. And, and again, um, you know, Breezy is a fairly you know, flat property. Um, but as I was kind of scouting around, uh, you know, the, the old greens, uh, you know, I saw there's a little drainage ditch that uh, you know, probably only 16 inches deep uh, between the two greens. And that became kind of the, the the starting point for my design of the sixth hole, where that we really excavated that whole area out and created a real uh, real deep swale as the hazard in front of the green. Um, kind of thinking like the 13th hole of Augusta National, that kind of creek that kind of meanders oh, around yeah. in front of the green. Yeah. So that that it was just it was something small, but that kind of created the the first initial thoughts for the design of that hole. And it, that that was kind of the starting point. Um, so yeah, so we did that. That was that was a you know, pretty uh, pretty big project. And then uh, um, done uh, three bunkers at uh, St. Boniface, um, where they were just they had some maintenance issues with them. So we tried to um, soften up some of the contours and that to uh, to make it a little bit easier uh, from the maintenance st- standpoint and improve the visibility and stuff, things like that. Um, Process of making a new, new green, I guess, like that's pretty basic uh, question, but like you're making, it's just made of soil and uh, sand. And then, you know, you, you plant grass and you got a green or obviously that's fairly simple, but. uh, Yeah, no, it's, it's the green, green construction is fairly, uh, fairly complex. I mean, it's, um, you're building it in a series of layers. Um, so what we'll do is we'll build the subgrade um, to your final um, contours, but it's offset by 16 inches. Um, and then once you've got that sub subgrade complete, you'll trench in your drainage, which goes underneath the green, um, fill those trenches with drain tile and then pea gravel, and then you're building two two layers. One's a four inch uh, layer of pea gravel, and then on top of that is another 12 inch layer of greens mix. Um, and that are so, and those have to be, you know, consistent. There's kind of a, about a half inch tolerance um, on those layers. And then once those are in place, then seed. Very so it's not it's not a simple process. No, no, not at all. That's, that's super cool. Uh, and then you put in the, the sub air systems, obviously. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. kidding. <laughs> but those, uh, yeah, the, so unlimited, were... the unlimited budget. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Perfect the, client in, in Manitoba for our six month, uh, season or four month. <laughs> right. Season. Uh, those irrigation, uh, tiles, you said there, so that would be almost be like a, like a, almost like a weeping tile on a, on a house yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. It'd then, be like a, uh, it'd be like a, Four inch perforated uh, drain tile. Interesting. Cool. Yep. Now I can build a green in my backyard. There you go. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Just push some dirt around and you're there. 
Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of my questions, I was just curious, uh, with the uptick in golf popularity, are you seeing a higher demand for, for your services, whether it be, uh, you know, renovation or new courses? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think, um, when I started, um, in 2019, um, you know, we, I was doing some small projects for Glendale, um, and then obviously with, but in my previous work with, with Grant Golf, the golf side was definitely slowing down. I mean, obviously since the, the 2008 economic downturn, um, you know, the golf work really slowed down at that time. Um, and you see that as, you know, the numbers of golf courses, golf course closures are, are greatly outpacing openings over that kind of next decade. Um, so golf really took a hit. And then with COVID and with golf being the kind of the only outdoor activity people were able to do last summer, um, golf clubs were, were swamped with, with, with new members and lots more rounds being played. Um, and, and, and golf courses have certainly been looking to, um, to renovate and update their facilities. Um, so uh, there's definitely been a, a, a big uptick in work uh, over this last uh, year and a half. I certainly didn't expect to be as busy as I have been this year, for sure. <laughs> well, that's a good thing, I guess. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah it's, it's wonderful. Are there, uh, are there many other golf course, I guess, architects in the, uh, in the province? And are you, you know, most of your work is within Manitoba or you're doing all Western Canada kind of thing? Um, yeah, there's still, um, you know, uh, David Grant still does, uh, work um, and I think he's really the only one who still that would be their primary uh, primary work. There's a few other guys who are part of some landscape architecture firms who have done some golf work in the past, but it's it's a smaller part of the overall business. Um, and and so yeah, so it's 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 uh, there's not a lot of us um, certainly even across the country. Like, there can't be more than you know a few dozen. Right. Um, so, and then as far as, as work, um, I'll, I'll work anywhere in the world. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be doing some work in, uh, in Thunder Bay later on this, uh, this summer at Fort William, nice. uh, country club. Oh, very so, nice. Yeah. Cool. Uh, how do people go about, uh, to, to get a hold of you just on your website or, or how do they get in touch with you? You know, a lot of it, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, social media has been, um, very good that way, whether it's, you know, through Twitter, Instagram, um, a lot of the superintendents um, are, are, are share a lot of stuff construction-wise uh, that's happened at their club, and and you know that's how Fort William reached out to me was through a tweet from uh, the Breezy Bend superintendent. Oh, so, very nice. Yeah, so there's the, the, there's a lot of word of mouth um, that 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 tends to be how you get most of the work. Um, I'm still currently working on a website, so. That's going to be my off-season project. <laughs> <laughs> Have fun architecting that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, well, I, I did want to get on this just kind of uh, with uh, Royal St. George, uh, the Open Championship. Now, this episode won't drop until after that, but so we'll have uh, lots of uh, experience viewing 
those link style courses uh, from yeah. from watching the Open Championship. And I was hoping you could speak to, you know, why such a difference between the European, especially UK courses versus North American courses. Yeah, as far as the, the links courses, um, you know, I think they're just they're, they're the base that they're they're built on, right? They're um, you know sandy soil, so the golf the golf courses can play uh, a lot firmer um, than than what we're accustomed to here, um, which is which is wonderful. I mean, that's there's lots of contour to the to the land, um, so that real mix is really good. There's lots of wind on the coast, so the golf courses are fairly wide. Um, those are all really good things that you want in golf courses and things that, you know, we should be emulating here in, in my opinion. Um, I think it, it, it's a really good way to play golf and it, it's, um, I guess you could say is democratic. I mean, I think it, it, it's something that's very still challenging for really good golfers and still very playable for people who are just hoping to break 90 or a hundred. But I think it's really the, the character of the, the underlying soil, which is sandy, and, and they can make the golf courses really firm and play really fast. Yeah, well, yeah. one of the things I was reading today about uh, the Lynx-style courses, especially, uh, I think it was in, uh, I might get my year wrong here, 2005 at St. Andrews, and I think it was Jack's last year competing in the Open Championship, and they said the stimp level uh, or meter was uh, lower on the fairways than it was on the greens, sorry, higher on the fairway. The fairways yeah. were faster than the greens, faster. which was, yep. it would, was crazy to think about. Right. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and there, like, you know, I was telling you about the, the green construction here, when you've got really good soil like that, I mean, that's those greens won't be constructed in the same way. Those greens will just be the same material as what's, what's naturally found there. Right. So those fairways and greens can can play really really fast. Okay. So we got to get some better soil up out here in Manitoba. <laughs> well, you know, there's there's certainly certainly pockets here um, of, of of good sandy soil, and, and unfortunately they're not really close to where people live, other than mm. Elmhurst and Pine Ridge. Right? They've got wonderful wonderful soil for golf. Ah. Um, but there's some really good. I don't want to say dunes land, but they're real good sandy sandhill land out, you know, towards the Brandon area. Um, there's the potential for some really world class golf courses out there, but you know, uh, you know, no one really lives out there. No. Right? This is one, is, of the, one of the issues. Well, is Mike and I will like, have to invest and buy some land, I guess, is what you're I, saying. Well, I think hey, so. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> like, would that land right now be be used for like agriculture, or it's just like barren? You know, uh, that's a good question. I, I, I'm sure uh, it could be pasture land or, or, or grazing for cattle. I, I, I don't know. Um, but what I can tell you from what I've seen is, is there's just some tremendous areas where, you know, you're not building golf holes. You're finding golf holes in the land. Wow. Right. Um, it's, a more, it's a more complicated process. But, you know, the, the end result and the end product is would be just spectacular yeah so i guess on that what would be some of the uh what what could our manitoba courses i guess specifically winnipeg courses do to improve uh you know some of their dot their designs you know i always think about irrigation and certainly right now in this 
this drought that we're in, uh, unfortunately, some of the, the fairways aren't doing so well, as well as the greens. Right. You know, I, I think for one of the things that I, you know, I think makes for the best um, uh, golf courses and holes, you know, is width um, and, and mo- having wide fairways um, and lots of short grass. Um, mm. You know, wide, wide fairways um, are are great because you give people who might not be able to challenge that bunker, you give them room to be able to play around it. It might take them an extra stroke to get to the green, but they can get their way around the golf course. Right. Um, but the better players, um, you know, when they challenge that bunker, as they go further and further from that hazard, their next shot gets increasingly more, challenging right it's it it creates a lot more gray area between the really good shot and the really bad shot um so so to me lots of width um is is i think very important to making the game both playable and still providing that challenge for the really good player and you hear about it every now and then and i don't know if it, it falls into your line of work as well but a lot of it is based on deception, like even the golfer's eye when you're looking at, on a tee box and you're kind of looking straight down the fairway, but there might be a bunker, there might be some elevation changes, and that kind of throws the golfer's eye off. Is that something mm-hmm. you, you take into consideration? Oh, for sure. Uh, for sure. There's slight, you know, slight changes in, in elevation. It can, can throw people off or, or, you know, you can, you know, the way you scale the bunkers, you know, sometimes you can, and, and where they're situated on the landscape, you can make what a, you know, a fairway bunker and a greenside bunker kind of blend together where suddenly they're not really, you don't know quite how, how far that, that first bunker is or, mm, or right. if there's room over it. So there's definitely ways, you know, the land uh, is suitable for those types of things that, that to play those kind of visual tricks on, on golfers. Do you have a particular design that you've been involved with that you particularly or that stands out to you that you're really proud of? Um, you know, I, I am, I'm really, really proud of, of the, the, the new six hole at, at Breezy Bend, I think mm. is going to be really, really spectacular. Um, it's, uh, it's certainly, and, and again, like I was telling you earlier with, with, uh, kind of the swale that runs in front of the green, the kind of, it's, 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 as that is the main hazard that a lot of the good players will be trying to carry over. Um, and it's set on a diagonal. So, you know, they better know how far they can carry that ball or that approach shot, but there's room out to the right. So if players who need to run that ball onto the green, you know, they can land the ball out to the right of the green and use the contours that were built to funnel that ball back onto the green. So there's multiple ways to get that ball onto the hole, onto the green and close to the hole. Um, which I think is is what you want. You want to provide options for for golfers. Yeah, I certainly like options. Usually, mine are uh, bush or bunker, but uh, generally, uh, you know, fairways and greens work too. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, and did you say that you were building that sixth green right next to the other one? I'm not, I haven't been at breezy in a, uh, in a few years. I was supposed to go later this week. I did just turn down an invitation from one of our sponsors. Shout out to Nick uh, from DQ Manitoba, <laughs> Nick and Nikki group of DQs. Go get yourself a, a custom ice cream cake, but sorry, Nick won't be able to make it, but uh, <laughs> so it's right by the the old green is that correct yeah it's um it's directly uh east of the uh existing green probably 40 yards or so east of the existing green mm-hmm. so the whole place is pretty similar to the existing yardage it just it now kind of dog legs right around mm-hmm. the new fairway bunkering that we built and how does the yardaging go? Like, do you go walk it out from the tee with a, a stick and those little wheel things? I forget what, I don't know what the technical term is for them. And then do you have to mention that to Golf Canada or is that the club's responsibility for getting those yardages? Yeah, the, I mean, uh, it's all pretty much done by GPS now. Uh, so okay, that I'll, makes I'll sense. I'll send my drawing to the contractor and they'll upload that and they can just GPS those, those points. Um, and as far, yeah, once, once you make changes to the to the golf hole, it's up to the course. They'll call Golf Manitoba and they'll come out and re-rate the hole and right. change the rating uh, mm. for the handicap purposes. Okay, well, shout out to John Bloomberg and their gold course who needs to be uh, re-rated <laughs> because uh, my every time I enter my uh, score on the uh, nine-hole course there, my handicap drops by five. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) I did call Golf Canada. They said they're going to get someone out there right away. Right away, sir. (laughs) Bronto, yeah. They're tired of hearing from you, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of handicaps, uh, Tyler, what is your handicap at the moment? Uh, Right now, my index is 1.2. Wow. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Better than it's been for a number of years so, oh, you're yeah. just playing more? Is that it? Uh, I have been playing fairly frequently this year, uh, that's for sure. But uh, it's just been just been a little bit better this year than, than previous. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, is there? Do you get to play the holes that you design? Um, I hope so. I've I've, <laughs> I've I've only played the fifth hole at Breezy Bend uh, once. Um, when I'm talking about solo uh, mm-hmm. work I've done, I mean, I've played some of the courses that. Um, I had a had in designing uh, when I worked for Grand Golf, um, but yeah, no, I, I've played them, and it, it's it's always uh, the fun to see if it uh, kind of plays the way you envision. Yeah, well, that would be fun if you ever need someone, as as we mentioned, to kind of test drive some holes or something. Hey, we'd be we'd be happy to do it. Uh, <laughs> we we are open. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. For, for that sort of thing, except nope. Mike keeps on Duly doing stuff. Yeah, do, okay, yeah, take, yeah, take notes. I'm a pretty busy guy, so uh, you know you gotta you gotta book me at least uh, one day in advance. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know in the in the back nine lightning round, we'll we'll get into uh, like a favorite favorite golf courses, but uh, maybe as a precursor yep. to that, is there a favorite design in in the province that you particularly like? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I, I've always had uh, a, a preference uh, for Elmhurst. It's always been my favorite golf course. I mean, maybe some of that is due to the fact that I grew up and learned the game there, but mm. it is uh, it is a very well-designed golf course. And obviously, it's over really, uh, really good land, like a nice rolling hills. Um, so it, it's always stood out to me as, as 
as being, uh, in my mind, probably the best design course in our province. Hmm. Good to know. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to get out to Elmhurst. I think JR, you've, You've played there before, no? Or I have, yeah. I, I played there in a tournament once. I was asked to leave, and uh, that <laughs> yeah. was that. But uh, <laughs> and, and I think one, one of the things is, is, and that's certainly been some of my, you know, kind of uh, education in golf course design is is traveling uh, to go play courses uh, whenever I travel anywhere. I bring my golf clubs, um, and you know, Dodd Ross, uh, you know, I. I don't think I've played a golf course of his that I haven't really enjoyed. Hmm. Um, he was very good at using the, the existing topography very well. Um, so when, when on your travels, you know, look up his courses. Uh, you're always going to be uh, in for a good round. What was that name again? Donald Ross. Oh, Donald Ross. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> at Pinehurst, correct? <laughs> correct. Yeah. Yeah. At Pinehurst and he a... Did, a, did a nine at St. Charles as well. Yeah. 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 And Pine Ridge as well. Or he originally did 18 holes at St. Charles. Oh, he did? Oh, okay. Um, the, what, what, the current uh, Roth 9 or the South 9, and he also did the original. It was originally an 18-hole course occupying the South and the West. Um, it went around, I think, the polo fields when the, first, right. the course first opened. Yep. Um, but I think during World War II, um, they, let, they, they stopped maintaining that 9. Um, and then they redeveloped it, um, into the current West nine, I believe in the fifties. Mm. So it was originally an 18 hole course by, by Ross there as oh, well as right. at Elmhurst and Pine Ridge. My apologies, Tyler. I, I didn't hear you very well because my, my headphones are uh, not as big as JR's. And uh, <laughs> so that was a gaffe. Obviously, I've heard of Donald Ross. And yeah, he didn't he design that. He was a part of that one course down there in uh, Georgia, right? <laughs> not Georgia. No? That's, no. that's Alistair McKenzie. Yeah. Alistair. Yeah. You're, you're oh. thinking, remember, you're thinking Pinehurst, Mike. Sorry. I was actually researching <laughs> on the side here and <laughs> Donald Ross. And I wasn't, you guys thought I was talking about Augusta National. I was actually talking about Augusta Country Club. And Yo, uh, yes, it, you're correct. Next door, he did design that course. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Tyler. Oh, that's awesome. That course in Georgia, I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you guys are talking about Augusta National. Well, another another course designer gaff tag uh, tallied up for Mike. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, hey, I I didn't know that there was another one that was uh, right beside there. So, oh good, yeah, good to know. But yeah, uh, Pinehurst is is uh, a, a wonderful trip. Um, I was there about four or five years ago, and. Uh, just even outside of the Pinehurst Resort, there are a number of great courses there. Not a couple of them, another Don Ross's courses, but uh, just a wonderful place for golf and just a place that just, it, it, that seems like it's all it's there for is for people to golf. It, it's a really uh, cool experience. Well, we've heard uh, obviously great things and Derek Goodwin, I believe he, a past yep. guest, I believe he was down there and then Colwyn Abgrill as well. He got the chance to to play that as well when he was uh qualifying or trying to qualify for the u.s amateur which would have been crazy but just the experience alone i've heard is is phenomenal i don't know if you you got the chance to see uh donald ross's ghost 
because Derek Goodwin apparently <laughs> mentioned uh, that sometimes you could see Donald Ross's ghost. Or that was Mike. Was that Mike you mentioned that? Oh, no, no. That was uh, Derek. Yeah. Derek mentioned that Caddy told the story of Donald Ross, and I believe it was Pinehurst number two. I could be pulling that out of the air. And his cottage yeah. was uh, on uh, one of the holes, and he used to yeah, sit up there three. and and drink yeah, scotch. Hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, some say to this day, he can still be seen up there having some scotch. <laughs> and running out there and changing pin placements if they're too easy. <laughs> That's right. I, did you ever do that? Have you ever changed pin placements on somebody? I have not. I have not. <laughs> do you, well, that's a that's another interesting question. When you're say designing a green, do you think about multiple pin placements and where you can put pins? Absolutely. I think there's um, there's a practical um, uh, reason for you know making sure that there's enough hole locations that the superintendent can move things around to spread wear and tear yep. over the course of a few weeks. Um, so there's certain uh, size requirements that you want for that. Um, but there's definitely, um, you know, certain hole locations that you're, you're, you can see that you think this is going to be really cool to play if the hole is here. Um, so for sure, you're thinking of, you know, a couple of real cool spots on that, that will be really exciting for golfers to play. Yeah, we like to hear it. And, and funny enough, we've actually come across a few of times that we've played together, Mike and I, uh, some challenging pin placements uh, where they're borderline illegal, but uh, we still play them anyways, and it's it's a whole lot of fun. Oh, and, and that's it's, it's, that's a tough, especially with um, you know the speed of greens nowadays. Um, you know, once that slope gets a little bit too too high, I mean, it it, it can create a nightmare on the green. So, you know, it's it, it's a lot of work uh, going into planning greens to make sure that they can handle the kind of speeds that the course typically presents to their members. Right. Um, so making sure that those slopes are, are appropriate and that you can put a pin there and, and balls will be able to stop within a few feet of the hole. You know, that it's, it's, um, you know, very, uh, a very big part of the, the planning and the construction process. Yeah, well, good to know that there is some thought uh, put into it because sometimes you go out there and you're like, "Oh man, that's that's tough." <laughs> yeah. Or, or, "Oh man, that was so easy to hit yeah. that birdie." Yeah. <laughs> I, never I, I'm guessing somebody said that once, but uh, <laughs> now we're talking about greens, and I got to ask you about grass because uh, you must be a grass guy. Uh, my lawn is scorched right now, so I'm not a grass guy, but I was curious, like, <laughs> you know, I hear all these names of grasses and I was curious what type of grasses are, are common in, in our Manitoba courses or, or does it vary quite a bit? Um, you know, it, it, it does vary to some extent, but I mean, we're using, um, there's a, a number of different varieties, but you're using bent grass on green. Um, it, it tends to, uh, grow kind of straight up. They can be cut short and you don't get as much grain, um, in them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, a lot of the older courses, um, it's, I think it's actually a weed is poa. Um, and it'll kind of, it'll start overtaking a lot of the greens that they're great putting surfaces. Mm. Um, like Pebble beach is pretty much primarily poa greens. Um, just late in the day, they kind of grow a bit uneven and get a little bumpy in the afternoon, but, 
but that's generally what you find. Those are kind of older greens will be will be a lot of poa, um, and, and newer greens will be bent, um, and then generally bluegrass, uh, roughs, and fairways. Um, in some, you'll, you'll find some places it they'll have bent grass fairways. You know, play course in Toronto that are they're like that. It's more expensive to maintain um, because they're they're cut really short. Um, but uh, yeah, that's probably what we find here um, in Manitoba. Right, and then I guess this is probably a stupid question, but uh, like, what what type of grass are we typically seeing on our on our lawns? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, usually, I uh, usually it'll be bluegrass. I think is the oh, typical typical sod that? that you'll get. Yeah. So yeah, one of our previous guests, uh, Levy from Team Lefty, uh, uh, he just sodded his backyard, and we were joking that he put in some uh, bluegrass, and so maybe he did. Yeah, uh, most likely he did. <laughs> How wow. about that? We'll have to chip around in in his backyard. Yeah, yeah well, that's good to know because I had some sod laid uh, last year and. Maybe it was the same thing. I didn't ask. Right. I didn't ask what kind of sod it was. So now I could have some, some pretty nice yeah. chipping areas there in the old backyard. Sending skull and balls through people's windows. So watch out. <laughs> Get ready for it. <laughs> did you have uh, anything else, uh, Mike? I did. I did. I wanted to ask Tyler what his favorite blizzard is because uh, DQ Manitoba is a big sponsor of ours and uh, they're great people. Shout out to the Nick and Nikki group of DQs. Um, Tyler, you got a, you got a favorite blizzard flavor that you, you, you go to. Yeah. Uh, I'm a Smarties blizzard. Oh, it's like a classic one. That is a yeah. classic. That's yeah. my, that's one of my daughter's favorites. Yeah, she, likes, she already, likes all the blizzards. <laughs> Did you <laughs> get one the other them. day? Did you I, get one the other day, Jr.? I continue to get as many blizzards as I as I possibly can. <laughs> I, I'm not on the the one a day yet, okay. but uh, I'm sure I'll get there. Then I like then I like going for a nice hearty run in the 34 degree temperatures Ooh, and yeah. trying to hold down that milk. But uh, uh, I've, been, I've been, I've been doing well so far. So <laughs> you, you go for that run immediately after, uh, it's my pregame. We'll just like Huss, like Huss, Andrew Hustler Patterson we have on, he crushes an eight inch custom DQ cake before he plays around a golf. Before I go for a 30 minute run, I'm pounding a large blizzard. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great. Yeah. I got, I still got to try the, the Kit Kat blizzard there. It's delicious. Uh, it's back. It's back in town, but that wraps up, uh, most of my questions. Uh, if I, if we ever get around in, I'll be in your ear the whole round, Tyler talking about, uh, well, actually, sorry, quickly yeah. one, uh, pot bunkers. Why are there no pot bunkers in Manitoba? Is it just, you know, not, you're not able to build up that height with uh, what we have to work with, or it's just not, you know, we just they, don't do it. You know, I mean, I think the original reason why pot bunkers became popular in, uh, um, in, in the, the links courses in, in Scotland and, and was uh, to stop wind from constantly blowing the sand out of the bunkers. Ah, that oh, makes sense. Wow. Um, that makes a lot of sense. So, but the the uh, the actual construction method, like it's just layers of sod that, that are stacked on top of each other. I think I'm not sure. It's a pretty labor intensive process, and I, and I think they get rebuilt. Um, I know I, I don't know exactly how many years, but I know it's a, it's it's fairly labor intensive to rebuild those. So it, it's mm. maybe not the most popular method. And it's windy here, but we don't have 
such a problem where, where sand is, is blowing out of the bunkers um, that we would need to go to pot bunkers. And I think also they're, you know, they're, they're quite, quite, quite challenging. And yeah. I think again, you know, you can get some where you have to, you know, take your medicine and play out sideways, backwards, whatever you can do to get out of them. And, and I don't know, I think there's, um, I think North American golfers seem to have a, uh, would have a problem with that. They seem to think that they, they might find that what they would call unfair, which, yeah. <laughs> you know, they seem to think that they should be able to get home from that fairway bunker. Um, yeah, well, and I don't think that's always the case. Right. Well, I think the North American golfers have got soft. Yeah, they're soft. Because I, I would uh, agree. Yeah, <laughs> I've had I've had uh, two experiences being in pot bunkers over over there over the pond. I won't say Wait, whereabouts. Yeah, yeah, whereabouts did you play? Well, it's just a, a small links course <laughs> that was probably designed uh, in the 1500s. Um, but I was not in the road hole bunker. Uh, but I was in. Uh, I don't know. There was like the devil's ditch bunker is a fairway one, but both of them I got out of no problem. So, and they were about, uh, they were taller than me. So, uh, so they're, they're, if I can get out and if Walker can get out a walk, (laughs) then, then now anybody can get out. But, uh, those were, those were all the questions I had, uh, right now. Yeah. Well, and, and one more before we jump into the back nine lightning round, uh, is, uh, would you like to see Tyler, would you like to see something where, you know, a course is made that just is super challenging because even though I know you want to play it up for members, but it's yeah. always something to kind of go say like, wow, that course really beat me up. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think we would have a hard time, I think from a, a business standpoint of, right. of running the golf yeah. course like that. I mean, I, I think, you know, people don't mind getting beat up again if it's a once in a lifetime experience, but you know, certainly here in, in, in Manitoba, you're going to need that the people to be coming back to play your course over and over. So I think from business model standpoint, that might not be a, uh, a good decision. Um, <laughs> and again, I, and especially with, with our, with our wins, I mean, it, it can certainly, it could be a, a very, uh, Unpleasurable experience. Yeah, yeah, that's that that uh, that's fair. And, and I, I think the goal, again, like I said, as a golf architect, is to make sure that um, you know that there's enough variety in whether it's the contouring of the greens or, or where the bunkers and tees are located that the course can be set up for to be much more challenging one day, uh, or it can be set up to be a bit easier the other day like that you can build enough variety into the golf course that you could do that on an occasion to say hey we're going to set the course up incredibly difficultly today and but it's still you know playable the next day for uh for your general population you can we can just keep moving the tee boxes back 100 yards every 10 years for the pros you have an opinion on that i do i i'm uh probably not popular but i'm kind of in favor of uh rolling back some of the technology in certainly in golf balls mm, yeah. i think that's where um i think that's where you're seeing the majority of the games in distance and it's it, it's hard to to that that difference between the you know the the occasional golfer who's just trying to break a hundred and 
the high-level elite amateur golfers is getting so large that it is challenging to um, to it, it's becoming more and more challenging to accommodate both those games on the same playing field. Right. Um, right. And, and I think rolling back the ball, to be honest, I mean, you know, people still need to buy balls and manufacturers still going to make money. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, you can't keep, you know, with the, I think with the added acreage of, of, of lengthening golf courses, those aren't the people who are paying the bills at golf courses, right? It's, yep. it's such a small number of people either want to or could play a golf course from 7,000 yards, let alone 7,500, 7,800 yards. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, it's all the people, everyone's paying for that, even though such a small percentage of golfers would actually use it. Um, so I'm exactly. certainly in favor of, of shorter golf courses that are, are, are much more enjoyable. Uh, and much more fun to play on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, that makes a good point. And then have the yeah. one challenging course that just beats the shit out of you, and uh, <laughs> and, and see and, and and test that out. So when you go back, you can have some more fun. But uh, that is interesting coming from the eyes of uh, you know someone who's been in in the design world uh, of golf course as well as being a, a damn near scratch golfer uh, as well. But uh, let's move on to the back nine lightning round, and it is for. Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park where you can improve your ride and your drive. Go see Wilkie or check them out, winnipegdodge.com. They're different. They are different. And did, JR, did you see that Knight Rider kit? Yeah. The car yeah, from Wilkie Knight was, Rider was yeah, there? Yeah, that was pretty wild. Wilkie was showed a, a video of that that uh, I guess someone just pulled up with it and at the dealership and was showing it yeah. off. I don't know. I heard it has more technology than one of those uh, Teslas they got coming out there <laughs> these days. Maybe the guy who rolled it in was newly single and trying to look for something. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's there's nobody who drives it, Jordan. It's a car. Oh, it drives okay, itself. Right, right. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, go go down to Winnipeg Dodge and check them out. I was looking at those uh, Jeep Gladiator Mo- Mojaves. Oh, they look geez. pretty badass. <laughs> yeah. They got the box in the back, the four doors, you know. They'd make it through any pot bunker, I'm sure. They certainly, yeah, they certainly <laughs> would, yeah. Yeah. But uh, go go buy one of those. <laughs> now <laughs> all right well let's get into it then tyler enough of our jabbering <laughs> yeah uh so first one here have you ever got a hole in one i have i have uh two holes in one nice Ooh, very nice whereabouts uh the first one i made uh was at glendale on the 16th hole in uh, 1997 yeah and then um in 2016, I made my second one. Um, I was on a golf trip in Nebraska uh, on the 17th hole at a course called Bayside. Mm. Wow. Is but, that, yeah. What were you going to say, Mike? I was going to make a bad joke. Oh, okay. Well, speaking of the 16th at Glendale, recently, didn't they change that green? Is it Does it mimic uh, the one at Augusta? You know, it certainly is similar for sure. Yeah. Um, what we did was... Um, the obviously lots of players would putt their ball from the top edge and it would roll if the pin was at the bottom and they were mm-hmm. rolling off the green and then they were having to chip. Ah, uh-huh, yeah. Um, and so what we did was we took that area and leveled it off and we were just going to turn into like a short grass kind of fringe area so you wouldn't have to chip, you could putt the ball. It seemed a bit, um, kind of the punishment fit the crime kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, and then our superintendent, Jonathan uh, Peters, uh, said, Why don't we turn it into a green? Um, so we, uh, pushed a bit more material out, um, and, and expanded the green a bit more. 
Um, so now we can get some pins right over top of the bunker there. And, and now you can putt from the top edge and have the ball stay on the green. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's really been a, a positive from a playability standpoint. Mm, good. Good to hear. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Have you ever designed a, a hole that, you know, you're taking into the hole in one into consideration that it would be uh, easy for guys or. <laughs> well, funny you should mention that. Not, uh, I, I certainly, um, um, I, I haven't thought about um, a, a specific hole location, um, but I know when we when I did the fifth green at uh, Breezy Bend, I think they opened it for their uh, closing event that year, and so it was a shotgun start, and the group on five, second guy to hit the ball and knocked it in the hole. Oh wow! Wow! So the, <laughs> and, and and he he hit the big mound left uh, by the bunker and it funneled it straight right into the hole, but. Yeah, the second person to ever play the uh, the hole officially uh, made an ace. So <laughs> it was uh, pretty, pretty funny. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, uh, speaking about holes and ones, uh, do you have a preferred golf ball brand or model, or or is it one from sixty years ago? Because we gotta we gotta roll back this <laughs> yeah. technology. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, uh, I did love the title of professional back in the day. Um, uh, right now, I play the Pro, Titleist Pro V1, or I'll play the uh, TaylorMade TP5. Hmm. Do, nice. do you notice much of a difference in in either of the balls, or do you just kind of get either not or a, whatever comes out comes out? Yeah, not enough to make me. Uh, I'm not that. Uh, uh, I don't feel a big difference. Okay. Hmm. Well, I was playing TP5s out in Hecla there, Jr., and I played pretty good. You played exceptionally well. Now, for the record, I, I think I shot a little bit better than you, but yeah, uh, we sure, were on the same sure team. Yeah we, yeah, we were. You were carrying me. <laughs> we were. And uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure if I hit those balls back to back, I would have, I wouldn't even know. It'd be like the uh, Pepsi Coca-Cola taste <laughs> test. <laughs> we should have one of those with golf balls. I think that uh, my spy, they're a website. They're doing a golf ball um, kind of review right now. Top golf balls. And they're testing out all the distances and stuff. And uh, it's pretty interesting. Hmm. Yeah. 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 They were, they were talking about the refurbished pro V ones and before they even hit them, they were cracked. So I, <laughs> <laughs> so don't buy those. Perfect. But, uh, but you, I, I still buy the used ones, but not the refurbished ones. Anyways, we kind of touched on this earlier, Tyler, uh, which course would be your favorite in Manitoba? And you, you touched on Elmhurst, uh, for its design, but are there any others that, that, that you're, uh, that you like? Um, you know, I think, yeah, I think I, for sure. I mean, Elmhurst is the, the course I probably look forward to playing the most. Mm. Um, uh, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely my favorite golf course. Um, you know, I, I certainly, I tend to favor a lot of the older courses, um, kind of golf's first golden age, which was kind of the pre kind of interwar period, the 19, late 19, 10s to 1940s so you know Niagara, St. Charles Pine Ridge, Elmhurst uh, Glendale um, I, I have a preference for those golf courses they, they, those older courses just uh, hmm. um, seem to be they're always very well well designed so uh, I'm happy to play any one of those courses like like the, uh, yeah Royal Assiniboine got to throw Royal Assiniboine in there oh yeah <laughs> what a beauty 
Yes, it's a good uh, good challenge for uh, for all skill levels of golfers. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they might need. Uh, well, we won't get into that. But uh, Manitoba <laughs> is lush with uh, great golf courses. So uh, curious, what if you have any bucket list courses that you've never played but would love to get out to in the province? I do, and I'm going to rectify this year. Um, uh, Glenboro. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a nine-hole course, and you know when I was talking about that real nice sandy area in the province, yeah. um, it's kind of on the kind of outskirts of that, and I've heard uh, nothing but really, really positive things. Um, so I'm going to make the trek out there and probably play Carberry and uh, Glenboro one day. Um, I've heard it, it's spectacular. Wow. Okay. And, wow. And, and again, I think just it's just got really nice topography that that makes it such a good golf course. Shout yeah. out to Westman. West. I mean, I, I've even I, I have a book um, on the top nine hole golf courses in North America, and it is ranked in the top twenty five on this book. Really? So wow. I'm I'm very interested to go out there and see if it uh, lives up to the hype, and I, I think very it probably cool. will. Yeah, yeah, you'll have to send us a picture of that uh, that list because that sounds sure. uh, that sounds yeah. pretty cool. I'm sure Assiniboine's in the top ten. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Royal Assiniboine. Okay. Yes. Next time yes. I play it, it's going to beat the shit out of me just because I'm making fun of it. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I pl- oh, I played there on uh, Monday night and uh, I shot a nine on hole nine. So yeah, that was it easy to do. but uh you know uh tyler i'm sure this uh course design has uh brought you all over north america and perhaps the world so i was curious what uh what is the most memorable course that you've ever played or memorable courses you can give us a a handful if if you have yeah for sure i mean i mean two that really stand out for me um is uh, Sand Hills in Nebraska, hmm. um, which is in the absolute middle of nowhere. Um, but it, it's one of the top, I mean, it's top 10, 15 golf courses in the world. Um, it's in a little town of Mullen, Nebraska. Hmm. Um, it is just, it, it's uh, kind of one of the golf courses, I think, that really ushered in the what they're calling kind of the second golden age of golf course design. It was built in 1995 and it was just, uh, I mean, if you look up pictures of this online, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, they, they found, they, they found the golf course. There's these big natural sand blowouts that they incorporated these bunkers. Like those bunkers are 30, 40 feet deep that are these just natural wow. erosions. Um, it's just an absolutely phenomenal golf course um, that I was very, very fortunate to play. Um, and, uh, so what's cool is, is you stay on property there, but the cabins and clubhouse, you, you can't see anything from the golf course. When you're on the golf course, they have a shack there, um, at the turn, but you can't see anything. 360 degrees, nothing man-made. It's just out of this world. Amazing. Wow. Um, and mm. I was fortunate to pretty much have the course to myself for a full day. Yeah. Um, it looks like a good link style course. Oh, you, yeah, you could drop someone there and tell them they're in Ireland and 
paid price. So yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. There's about yeah. a, there's not even a pot bunker. It's a 30 foot sand hill in, in one of these holes. Oh yeah. <laughs> it, it's incredible. Um, that is probably the other one that really stands out to me is uh, Royal Melbourne oh, um, wow. in Australia. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if anyone ever gets the chance to go there, uh, they have two courses there and um, both of them are, Absolutely outstanding, out of this world golf courses. Is that um, one Alistair McKenzie course. as well? I think Royal Melbourne. Did he do that? Yeah. One? Yeah. 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 He had a kind of a whirlwind tour of uh, Australia back in 1926, 27, I believe. You know, he was there for a few months and uh, um, did a lot of work at a lot of clubs there. But uh, yeah, Royal Melbourne is uh, out of this world. Hmm. Very nice. Yeah, that one has come up uh, in this back nine before i'm not sure if i'm not sure if sandy had played that one but i know uh i know it was on a bucket list of somebody else's yeah yeah for sure well uh you, you mentioned the the courses you have played uh what would be your bucket list course anywhere in the world uh if i had to pick a course i could uh it would probably be uh cypress point oh yeah um which is out near uh pebble beach mm-hmm um, I just, uh, an amazing, um, amazing golf course. Again, another Alistair McKenzie course, a popular theme here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, just, uh, it, it's, 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 it's such an incredible experience from what I hear, you know, you've got coals through, there's some wooded area, then there's some dunes land, and then there's an incredible finish along the ocean. Um, it's, it's just, a uh, spectacular. I, I've driven, through it, like 17 mile drive in Pebble Beach. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes, actually the first tee shot is over 17 mile drive. Um, but, uh, so I've seen bits and pieces of the course when I drove through there, but uh, uh, very, uh, very hard golf course to get on. Yeah. That's <laughs> so if you have I any heard. listeners who are, uh, have some connections, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been played uh, or played at Spyglass there. Yeah, I've also done the, the 17 mile drive. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I, I remember driving in and I do not remember driving out because I was not driving. That was my father-in-law driving because I was too busy trying to hold in puke. But uh, regardless, <laughs> I want to get back there because uh, it was a fantastic time, a fantastic course. And yeah, if, if someone does, if we know someone who can get us on there, please Please let us yeah. know. Yeah, and, <laughs> and we'll invite uh, don't, you. We'll invite don't you, eat the sushi at Spyglass because uh, because it <laughs> makes you sick. I'm assuming that's what happened. Yeah, it was special tequila sushi. Oh, yeah, that <laughs> sushi gets me every time. <laughs> well, uh, next one here, and and uh, you, you you know I didn't realize you were a uh, index one point one was it. 1.2, yeah. Yeah, but who's okay. counting? Who's counting? Who's counting? <laughs> Golf Canada is not very well. <laughs> but uh, curious what your career low round is and, and where that was. Uh, my career low round uh, is 67. Um, I've shot it uh, at Breezy Bend the first time. Uh, I've also done it at Glendale mm. and also at uh, Kildonan Park. Hey, so, right on. Wow. Uh, that, nice. that one was memorable for uh, hooking a six iron out of bounds on 18 at Kildonan oh. Park. <laughs> oh. so finished with a double for 67. So. Yikes. <laughs> very nice. I never said I was mentally a very good golfer. But, uh, 
<laughs> Maybe it was windy that day and you're trying to play the, the wind. <laughs> we'll go with that. Yeah. A nice yeah. cover. Or, or bounce it off a tree or something. <laughs> but uh, that's what I'd like more of, you know, more of those rock uh, walls that we can punch our wedges into and onto the green. Maybe I should move back to the UK. Yeah. The road hole St. Andrews. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Or well, continue uh, playing mini golf. <laughs> <laughs> That's true too. That's true. I haven't, I've yet to get out to uh, a miniature golf course this year, but I, I look forward to it. We should have a little 18 over par uh, mini putt tournament. Yeah. I like that. That sounds smart. But uh, question number eight here, and it's kind of become uh, my wild card question. Um, but uh, I was curious, and you kind of touched on this earlier, but I was curious who your favorite course architect is. And uh, you talked up Don Ross there, and I gaffed on that, and we talked about Mr. McKenzie. But uh, is there would one of those gentlemen be your favorite course architect, or do you have uh, somebody else? Um, I think, you know, I Don Ross has probably got the most experience of playing Hmm. Uh, his courses. Um, you know, I've played five or six Alistair McKenzie courses as well, so oh, wow. uh, they're definitely you. Ca- you kind of can't go wrong with them. Um, their courses have, have always have stood the test of time. Um, so I, yeah, I think uh, pretty interchangeable between those two uh, would be m- my favorite uh, favorite architects hmm. for sure. For sure, and, and I think it's all. I mean. That's one of the things I do when I travel is, is I mean, certain architects are, are quite, uh, I've done a lot of work in certain regions that, you know, I certainly haven't traveled to, but when I do get a chance to, I will seek out, um, seek out their work. Um, so that's, you know, kind of on my bucket list of places to go visit and, and yeah. courses to go see. So that's interesting. There's, there's so much to, to still, to still experience. And then while you're, you know, while you're experiencing these new, uh, I guess courses and by different course architects, you know, are you, you're just, are you playing the course or do you also kind of, you know, do you meet the superintendent there and you drive around with them and really take in the course? Yeah. I, you know, I've done a little bit of both. Um, you know, certainly I, it's, it's hard to beat the experience of going out and playing, um, the golf course. Um, you know, I've definitely talked to some superintendents, uh, uh, in my travels, um, and, and they're always um, good because that's that's certainly someone who I'm always collaborating with in, yeah. in any project. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're uh, I might not be able to maintain that, and so we, uh, there's constantly adjustments being made um, with the superintendent's input to make sure that I'm not complicating their life because uh, they've got to look after these things uh, every day, right? Yeah. Um, so their their input is is and knowledge is is invaluable to the whole uh, the whole process. Yes, but, uh, always lurking in the shower. The showers. The shower. the sh- <laughs> oh, oh no! There's the shadows. A bad dreams. <laughs> Did something happen when you were younger, Mike? <laughs> oh geez, we've been trying to get a superintendent on uh, for three months here, and that's not going to help our situation. Well, maybe but, we were looking uh, in the wrong place. We should have been looking in the showers. <laughs> wow! Wow! But yeah, they would be. They would be. Great, uh, great guest. Any yeah. superintendent, they're, uh, 
very, very, very knowledgeable about the yeah. game. And, uh, they can, uh, you know, yeah, I was interested in hearing what, uh, you know, some of their frustrations are with, uh, uh, course visitors, players. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, uh, back, sorry, just quickly on the architecture. I mean, we, we, I, I love Stan, Stan Thompson, you know, he's yeah. obviously, yeah. uh, pretty popular in Canada. Correct. Um, and, and, and uh, that's I can't believe I overlooked him when I, well, from your previous question. Um, yes, he is uh, definitely in Canada. Uh, you know, no one can hold a candle to him. Um, hmm. I, I think you look at the five, arguably the five best golf courses in Canada are all done by him. Uh, yeah, Capilano wow. in Vancouver, Banff and Jasper, uh, St. George's in Toronto, and Cape Breton Highland Links in uh, Nova Scotia. Um, yeah, he, he and uh, clear, clear Lake Golf Course. <laughs> <laughs> He's done. Yeah, pretty minimal what he did at Clear Lake. Oh, um, well, they, they. I think it was only. I don't know. I guess you would know. Maybe it was like nine holes or something. But uh, yeah, it wasn't even that. I, I did. <laughs> I, um, Ian Andrew, uh, another architect from Ontario, he was compiling a list of all of Stanley Thompson's work. Um, so I helped him out in the research and old newspapers and stuff like that around Manitoba. And, uh, mm. so he actually did have a plan for Royal Assiniboine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I found a plan that he drew up in 1930 for the golf course. Wow. Um, cool. he did a little bit of work at the, at the old Southwood, um, did the original Glendale and Niaqua. And then, like I said, he did some minor alterations to a couple holes at uh, Clear Lake. Those would be really but, cool uh, to see some of those, yeah. some of those plans. Well, I, I'm pretty sure I have it in my files. I can send you the drawing I have for. Oh, well, that would be excellent. That would be so I'm cool. pretty sure too. I have it. So. We'll put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what could have been. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. That's uh, Thanks, super World War II. Uh, little, little uh uh, sad to hear that yeah. uh, he wasn't that involved in Clear Lake as it might be one of my uh, more favorite courses in, in the province. Well, I mean, um, it, does, it doesn't change the, the quality of the golf course. I think, exactly. you know, it, it, it's very similar in the United States. Uh, there's a lot of people who claim Don Ross designed their course because mm. it, it's kind of marketing, right? I mean, Stanley Thompson is very sure. popular here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you get a little bit of that here. And, and like I said, he did a little bit of work, but I don't think he's responsible for a whole nine holes at Clear Lake. So, yeah, no, no. Or I certainly uh, haven't come across it in my research. Well, every time I go, I am slowly uh, manipulating the architecture of the course myself <laughs> by hacking uh, <laughs> it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. moving yeah. some dirt. yeah yeah but uh okay well uh our our flagship question of the back nine lightning round tyler what is your favorite condiment oh well um i'd have to say uh relish another relish relish. regular sweet green relish Mm. (laughs) you know what it is for yeah it is it is good even uh Hustler mentioned, you know, it is underrated. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and as I've gotten older, I used to hate relish. Wouldn't put it on anything. But I, yeah, I, I love pickles. And then now I'm like, oh, well, like relish tastes kind of like pickles. So I put it on everything. 
Everything. He puts it on everything. Cereal. Put it on. <laughs> when I when I'm in the shower bathing, put it on. <laughs> I haven't seen a superintendent in there yet. But maybe if, if <laughs> I wasn't gonna say. I wasn't gonna say. But you did. I had to so bring that's it up. Good. Relish is good. Another relish. I'll put another relish on the board. Oh. I think we can say that's two for relish. Well, I'm absolutely relishing this interview oh, right geez. now. <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I like, yeah, I like Jr. Uh, I, I was, I came to be a, a late fan in life of relish, as I, I didn't enjoy it in my younger years, but now uh, it's a staple on uh, on my hot dogs and burgers. Not, uh, not really anything else, but nonetheless, out of yeah. the shower. Same thing with Tyler. Hot dog and hamburgers for relish, but uh, another good a good pick, sleeper pick, and uh, that wraps up the back nine lightning round driven by Jamie Wilkie and the fine folks at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. You can check them out in-store, online, on social media. Go to winnipegdodge.com and ask for Jamie Wilkie. And uh, Tyler, just for coming on the show, we really appreciate it. We're going to get you an 8-inch custom cake from the Nick and Nikki group of DQs, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park and the Food Court, DQ Neverville, and DQ St. Anne's Road. You can follow them on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Uh, this was great. Very enlightening. I know Mike and I probably have a few more questions uh, or probably a lot more questions that we could have got into when it comes to uh, design and stuff. But uh, this was great. Very enjoyable. We really appreciate you taking the time and uh, jumping on the show with us. Yeah, I had a lot of time and uh, a lot of fun. And uh, go do a part two if you have a lot more questions. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, you can check Absolutely. you out at uh, Prairie Golf Design website is currently in design and might be exactly. out soon, but, uh, but <laughs> get them on Twitter. Yeah. Get them, get them on Twitter. Yeah, for sure. And Instagram and find 18 over par on, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And grinder. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We, that, all right. Thanks. Dal. I pr- we, we, really appreciate fun. the interview, Tyler. It was uh, very insightful. And yeah, like JR said, uh, we got lots more questions. So, so we'll have to get back at you and look forward to seeing those, uh, those uh, maps of the Royal Assiniboine. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Thanks so for much. Sure. For, Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Okay. Sounds good. Bye. And you can count on me waiting for you in the parking lot. You're late for your tea time, as per usual. It's 12.12, but you wouldn't know. The clock in your piece-of-shit ride just blinks eights at you. It's embarrassing. You find the parking stall the farthest away from the clubhouse. It can't be seen in your shitbox. You know you're going to play awful because you feel awful. Your car doesn't match that swagger buried deep down inside. That golfing champion waiting to be unleashed. Ding. Your bumper hits the concrete as you accidentally sit on it while putting on your golf shoes. You smile. Because tomorrow, you're going to see Jamie Wilkie at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. The front doors will open like the Azalea Line gates at Augusta. You'll ask for the best-looking guy there. You'll find the former amateur champ, Jamie Wilkie, staring back at you. You hand over your money. Your new ride glistens as it pulls out of the dealership. Then Jamie approaches and whispers in your ear, Son, next week, I'm taking you golfing at Breezy Bend. 
I'll show you a thing or two. You smile again, as now your golf game will look and feel as good as your new ride. Improve your ride and your drive with Jamie Wilkie at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. WinnipegDodge.com JR, we have a lot of fun on this podcast, but I want to take a second to talk about something that has affected me personally. Every year, millions of Canadians suffer from brain freeze. It can happen to anyone. It's a hot summer day. You're aggressively enjoying a DQ cool treat, a blizzard, a dilly bar, or a variety of personalized ice cream cakes, and whammo, brain freeze. It hits you like a triple bogey. The good news is you can enjoy these delicious treats in a moderately sized bite. So get over to any Nick and Nicky's group of DQs and enjoy some DQ treats safely. DQ Northgate on McPhillips, DQ Pole Park in, food, in the food court, DQ Niverville, and DQ St. Anne's Road. Go see them today for tasty treats. <laughs> 